Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be concluding this verse, I hope, today, verse 1. Um, let me begin reading the first part of the verse, where the Apostle John says again, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, or on us, that we should be called children of God. And then he says, Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. And there's the real key. It doesn't know us because it doesn't know him, and it did not know him. And we looked at um, some of the reasons why it did not know him. It's not that it didn't know him. It didn't want to know him. And we were talking about the world last time, okay? I, I, I said that we will look at religious people today. But remember, we looked at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31, and the first part of verse 32, which described what the world, why the world rejects Jesus, why the world doesn't want God, because they're going after all these things. Remember that? Okay, they're seeking after all those things. And remember, in order to seek, you need to make an effort, which means they want to make an effort towards those things rather than an effort to seek after God. That's why Jesus went on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God. He's saying you put all your effort in seeking God's kingdom and all the things that people are seeking after will be added to you. Amen. And he's saying, and one of the uh, verses that I um, alluded to last week was Matthew 6.24 which was a real key verse, and so I want to just bring that to your attention today and then jump from there into what we're talking about. He says, Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm reading from the NIV. It says mammon in some, in some translations. I want you to understand that if you're serving money, you can't serve God. And it's really interesting, the people that kind of serve money in a sense... And, you know, you don't really serve money. You serve the thing that brings you money. Do you understand? And that is a real key thing because everything that we do, we're going to find out today, we do as unto the Lord. They do as unto gaining money. I, I want you to see a difference here. And because they're after those things, they're going after, seeking after those things, they're making an effort to go after those things. See, it's not a bad thing to have money. In fact, I want, I keep praying for you guys that you get all of it, <laughs> okay? You, you, you know, because in your hands, I believe at least it can be safe and be used to something good. You don't know the people that are out there, family. You have no, you know, I think sometimes we look at ourselves and do we deserve this amount of money? And we, we you know, and, and the devil keeps doing that. He keeps turning the focus back on you. He never lets you see the horrible people that are out there doing horrible things with money. Because if you ever saw that or got a revelation of that, you'd go, hang on a second. If they didn't have that money, they wouldn't be doing that. And just for that reason, you'd go, okay, God, I know I don't deserve it, but they don't deserve it more, so I'll take it. <laughs> and I'm trying to say, okay, you see what I'm saying? You know, and it sickens you sometimes the things that are going on out there because they have money. You know, if they didn't have it, they wouldn't be able to do it. And some of the influences that are coming through as well, you know, in, 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 in media, you know, TV and movies and stuff, is just terrible. Why? Because they can pay for it. If they didn't have the money, we wouldn't know about it. That would be good. <laughs> some of those things. Anyway, so I want you to see this. I want you to understand that, you know, the reason a lot of people don't want to know God is because they want to pursue other things and God gets in the way. 
What they don't understand, and that, that's because of the religious God that has been preached. It's not because of God for who he really is. See, God designed you to excel at everything. God designed you to shine. Jesus said that you are a light, and he even described you as a city that is set on a hill. That's a very bright light, <laughs> okay? And you need to understand that he wants you to shine. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to excel at everything that you do because he never designed and created anybody to do anything half good. We decide that. Amen. Now, that could be because you're in the wrong profession, okay, and you're really struggling because you're not meant to be there, or you're just lazy. I said it, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming that if there's anybody here that's not excelling at something, it's not because you're lazy. It's because maybe you're in the wrong place. But I'm believing that you're all in the right place, okay? So that, there's that too. All right. But all I'm saying is that, you see, if they understood what God really wanted for you, they would give their life to him in a second. Because everybody wants that. Do you know what the problem is? Let me just quickly say this and we need to get on to the message. God put that in us. How did he create man? Let them have dominion. That's how, th those are the words that were spoken when we were created. They didn't, they, he didn't speak those words over the animals. Okay, He spoke those words over us. He, says, he said, let them have dominion. Let them subdue everything. So this is what happens. We have that in us. Satan has come and used religion to tell us that that's the last thing God wants for you to do is to have dominion, is to be on top of things, is to be the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath, and all that good stuff. Okay? It says the exact opposite of that. It says, no, 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 God wants to beat you and test you and do all these horrible things to you. Like he ha you have nothing else to do with your life except to let God know that you love him, you love him, you love him. Are you all here? Listen, man, love, doesn't, love isn't insecure. God doesn't wake up and say, there's not enough people saying he lo they love me today. I, feel, I don't feel loved. He is love. Do you know when you read Corinthians, boy, we're all right off track. This is going to take another week, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe you need this. When you read Corinthians, you begin to understand that love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't seek after its own stuff. Love is not looking for validation. Can I just, okay? Love isn't looking for everybody to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Love is always looking to give. We see that in John 3, 16, for God so loved that he gave. He didn't ask for anything, he just gave. Are you all with me? Amen? So if we begin to understand, why am I spending some time on this? Because this is where everything goes wrong. This is why the world doesn't want to know God. Because they think as soon as, he, as soon as you come to him, he starts to take stuff from you. You have no idea. Yeah, but, you know, I have to give up stuff. Yeah, it's killing you. <laughs> okay? That's what a parent does. When, you know, a parent stops a child from doing things that destroy them. They will always lead them to things that will bless them. Amen? Don't think you're doing God a big favor by giving up things that are killing you. 
Can I say this? The time that you take to do the things that are killing you, you could be doing, you could be doing that will bring you life. That will bring you success. Are you all here? See, one of the things that the devil does, uh, I'm getting off track, never mind. But, you know, let me just share some of this stuff with you because this is where the, you know, I guess the world's mentality is. A lot of times what the devil does is he'll waste your time. It is that one commodity that you can't get back. Now, God can do some pretty amazing things in reverse time, but, you know, let me say this. And he will do that. He will redeem your time. If you come to him and you repent, then the time that you lost, somehow he'll make it up. He does that. He's, a God. He's God, okay? He can do some amazing things, all right? Okay, I've seen that, all right? But the thing you need to understand is that that's what the devil is after, to take your time away from you. Every time he attempts you to do something and moves you in a direction that is uh, selfish, it is something that is wasting your time and by extension, wasting your life. Do you understand that your life is measured in time? We have so much time we're on this earth, and then we're gone. Amen? What are we doing with that time? Now, don't go crazy with it, but, okay? but you understand what I'm trying to say here. I only want you to think about that, not so that you add to your plate another 100 things, okay? so that you're doing 600 things now. No, no, no. I want you to think about this when you want to do something that is unproductive, that is not good. Ask yourself, do you really want to waste your life on that? Are you all here? Amen. Moving on, okay? But this is really what I want to draw your attention to is that that's, that's really what, you know, Jesus is saying when he says you can't serve two masters. If you serve God, and in order for you to serve God, you need to know that he wants the best for you. Amen? And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Why you're dedicated to him, why you come to church, why you give money at church. I mean, sheesh. You know, you give up your time and then you give money as well. I mean, really, what for? Just stay at home. Watch the footy. Use that money for a barbecue. And everybody didn't come to church next week because they stayed at home. <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> no, listen. There are principles that you are putting into to work. Because the Bible says, if you give as unto God, then it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. You, you realize you're like a farmer. Okay? You're like a farmer that puts money, uh, excuse me, seed into the ground. That's your money, okay? Put seed into the ground and understands that it will take a little time, but what you get back from it is a bunch more seeds and fruit that goes with it. Amen? So you get to eat from it, and you also get to replant. That's why it says he'll give seed to the sower. Amen? And so that's our way of thinking. The world can't understand that. The reason it can't understand that is because it doesn't understand Jesus Christ. It doesn't want to know him. Because again, they're under the false idea that they can do better on their own. Now, yes, people can be very successful on their own, but to what end? And at what price? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, let's move on. We, we looked at the rich man. In fact, we looked at two rich men. 
<laughs> last time in Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 16. The first one talked about building more bonds because that's all they're focused on. It's about how do I get more and how do I keep the more that I got? And Jesus called that person a fool because he said, you're going to die and all the stuff you held for yourself, somebody else is going to get it. When you're gone, you can't take it with you. Okay, It's not an eternal plan. Amen. And the next thing that we saw was in, in looking at another rich man, and I don't know whether Jesus kind of continued this on or whether it was a totally different person, but we, under, we, we saw the, the story about the rich man and Lazarus, and at the end of his life, he was in hell. Now, I told you not all rich people go to hell. Okay, these are covetous people, okay? Which the Bible says, don't become that way. Don't become covetous, amen? And see, you know, one of the reasons why God says to, you know, bring your tithe into the storehouse and all the rest of it, he wants to teach you how to let go of things. People just want to hang on to stuff, and the more you hang on to it, it's like the monkey that, you know, grabs the seed in the bottle. You, you know, I told you the story that they tie a rope to a bottle and stick a seed or whatever in it, or a fruit in it, and the monkey just puts his hand in, closes his fist in there, and he can't pull it back out. And they just catch him and come on and just knock him in the head, and they got another monkey. Because they won't let go. <laughs> if they just let go, they're free. Amen. Read into that. Okay. Some things I tell you not to read into, that one you need to read into. All right, let's move on. Now, as sad as it, as it is for the world to reject, reject Jesus Christ and end up in hell, as we've seen, it's far worse when religious people do it. With Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 10, now, I'm going to read uh, verse 6 and then I'm going to jump to verses 14 and 15. So verse 6 tells us, gives us some context. Jesus says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, we're talking about believers, not just Jews, okay? We're talking about believers, all right? And then he jumps, jumped down to verse 14. He says, and whoever will not receive uh, you nor hear your words. These are re religious people that should know better that reject, okay? He says, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Verse 15, assuredly I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, you all know Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Bad place. Okay. In the day of judgment, then for that city. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? You think about that. It, is, it will be more tolerable for a place that was known for wickedness and doing all sorts of very, very bad things. <laughs> I could use other words, but I'm just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's going to be more tolerable for them than for the city that rejects Christ. Wow. Let's take a look at the kind of people that do that. We find these same religious people spoken of in Acts chapter 7. When Stephen reproves them for the death of Christ. And let's pick it up in verse 51. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. He says there, this is Stephen speaking to the religious Jews there, okay? He says, you stubborn people. Listen to the next thing he says. I love this translation. He says, you are heathen at heart. Isn't that interesting? That you can be religious and heathen at heart. You know, that's what religious people generally are. Heathen at heart, <laughs> okay? They're very white on the outside. They all wear the right length dress and they all look a certain way and they all speak a certain way, but they're heathen at heart. See, this is the reason why God looks in the heart. 
You know, some of us may not look so great. I always wear black. You know what I'm trying to say? But you know what? God looks on the heart. And while everybody else is measuring skirt lengths and all that sort of stuff, and that's, that's a sleeveless top. We can see all kinds of things when you lift your hands. You know, all that. Now I'm just saying, man, I'll just talk to you for a minute here, okay? You know, people go nuts about things. My question is, why are you looking? Anyway, so, <laughs> you know, no, but the thing is, see, they focus on that and they, 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 they attach religiousness to that. They say, well, you're very religious if you, you know, if you've got your top button all done up and you've got sleeves down to here and, you know, your dresses are always down to the ankle and you're, then you are, you know, you are holy. You're not holy. We don't know what's going on on the inside of you. You might have hatred and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. And God just looks at it and says, Ugh, that's, that's terrible. Well, we're going, oh, sister so-and-so, she's so holy. Or brother, whatever, okay. Are you all with me? Notice what he's saying here. He says you are heathen at heart. Let's continue. So we see that we, we really get an insight into this there. And remember again, he started with stubborn. He said, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. De you know what deaf to the truth means? They don't want to hear it. He says, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? Now there is a real key there because it tells us something that the Holy Spirit is constantly working on people. You know, when you minister the word or talk to, God, talk to somebody about God, it's not about how convincing you are. Whatever words that you put out there, and please make them kind words, okay? Whatever you, words you put out there, because God can only work with the kind ones, okay? The Holy Spirit will minister that to people and bring the truthfulness of that out into their heart. And they will think about things that they don't want to think about because what you said was God's word. Are you all here? So don't ever think that you have to get anybody saved. That's not your job. Your job is to, you share the truth. After that is God's business. You do your part. Do you understand? Don't do everything. Just do your part and then leave it up to him. And don't walk away with, oh, I should have said this and I should have said that. Yeah, that's intellectually. We correct ourselves intellectually. But you know, it's a funny thing how God can move on things that you might have said that you think, why didn't I even say that? That's the one. That's the thing you needed to say. You know, my dad, <laughs> sorry, dad, can I use you as an example? My dad got saved on something that I never thought he would have got saved on. He got saved on an analogy concerning a fan. <laughs> I told you. It shocked me. You know, this person was preaching. And of all the things, and I, you know, I was thinking, gosh, I, I got so much out of that. I didn't even hear the fan thing. You know, because he was, one of the analogies he used was, you know, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, running around. He talked about different currents and stuff, okay? And anyway, that he said, you know, when you plug it in, it only works when you plug it in. And dad realized that he wasn't plugged in. That's it. That's, that's what got him saved. <laughs> he thought, you know, I've been running around doing religion. I need to plug into God. Because that's where the power is. I wouldn't have got saved on that. I don't know if you are. I wouldn't have. You know, okay? But do you see what I'm saying? So when you walk off and you said something that you thought, why did I ever say that? That's the thing. It probably got him saved. 
The thing that you're kicking yourself over is the thing that's doing the greatest good. Don't try to be too perfect in the way you present things. And people, you know, it's funny what gets to people. You know, even kids, it's funny what they say. Oh, always remember. And you go, ah, did I do that? Well, all the things you think, well, they're going to remember this. They didn't remember all that stuff. All the things you think they're going to remember, they don't remember. All the things that you do without thinking are the things that they're remembering. There's a revelation. I'll leave that with, with you. Anyway, let's move on here. I have a lot of verses here. Okay, so it says here again, you stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. You, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? But your ancestors did and so do you. <laughs> okay, verse 52. Name one prophet your ancestors did, didn't persecute. See, we're talking about religious people here. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. Boy, he's straight, isn't he? You betrayed him and you murdered him. Okay. Verse 53. You deliberately, notice, you deliberately disobeyed God's law. Do you see that? That's why Jesus said it'll be worse for these people. Because what they're doing, they're doing deliberately. They know better, and they're doing it anyway. All right. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, though you received it from the hands of angels. Verse 54. The Jewish leaders were, watch, this is their reaction. The Jewish leaders were repenting and, and were mournful of their horrible attitude and that they murdered their Messiah. It's not what it says. It says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations. And they shook their fists in rage, verse 65. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily toward into, uh, upward into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, oh, I shouldn't have said this. They're already upset. He says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, the guy that you murdered, standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now you'd think at that point in time, they would go, oops, we done messed up. Again, not what happens. Verse 57, and they put their hands over their ears. Remember the people that refused to believe. They put their hands over their ears and drowning out his voice with their shouts, they rushed at him. Are you beginning to see something here? Verse 58, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. This is their response to the gospel. The official uh, witnesses took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is Paul, okay? This is the same Paul that's going to say, I have wronged no man. Because he understood the power of the new birth. When he says, you are a new creation... All things have passed away. Is that 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. He got that revelation. He understood that that person died on the road to Damascus when Jesus Christ appeared to him. Amen? And he received him as Lord straight away. That was a good move. But here, he's very bad. Okay, verse, <laughs> verse 59. <laughs> hey, we all had a past, right? This one's his. All right. <laughs> Thank God nobody died in mine. Verse 59. And as they, <laughs> as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And the next verse just really blesses me. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Wow. And with that, all the translations except this one says he fell asleep. And I prefer that. Because something miraculous happened. He didn't just die. He fell asleep. See, God just said, no, it's enough. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of killing you. I'm going to just bring you home right now. End of story. And it's very interesting how the Bible talks about Christians as falling asleep. Do you know why? Because we're going to wake up in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. So what we see here are people who not only refuse to believe, but who actively oppose and rebel against the truth. And it is these people that Jesus makes reference to now in Matthew chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, when he says, And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. I'm reading from the New Living Translation again. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared will be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you know why they're weeping and gnashing of teeth? Because they're upset that they're meant to be up there and they're not. Why? Because of what they did right here. They refused, they rebelled, and remember Jesus said again, it's going to be worse for them. And so it is these people, in addition to those mentioned in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, that the Apostle John is making reference to who neither know us nor understand us, just as much as they neither want to know the Lord, let alone understand him. Are you all with me now? Why? Because if they don't know him, and you know, to know Jesus Christ means to receive him. Do you understand? All right. Just like, you know, when they talk about knowing the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Okay. And I've spoken about this, that the, only the truth you know sets you free. The truth won't set you free. People say that, but it's not true. The truth you know sets you free. Amen. And it is a knowing in the heart. It's a revelation. Hallelujah. Okay. In his commentary on 1 John 3, 1, John MacArthur writes, The Lord Jesus was unearthly in origin. I really like what he says here. And so are those born again. Truly transformed lives have not yet been manifested, meaning that the real aliens in the world are not extraterrestrials, but Christians. Isn't that interesting? I know, right? Isn't that good? I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having been born again and given a new nature of heavenly origin, Christians are to display a nature and lifestyle like their Savior and Heavenly Father. A nature totally foreign, brackets otherworldly, to the unsaved. No wonder scripture describes Christians as pilgrims, sojourners, and strangers. Amen? Are you getting this? Hallelujah. All right, we might finish this today. Hallelujah. Jesus put it best when he said in John chapter 17, verses 16 through 18, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. There you go. Think about that for a minute. I want you to take that in. Jesus says they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Where did Jesus come from? Heaven. What we need to begin to understand is that the reason people cannot understand us is because we're not of this world anymore. We were born in this world. We started out here, but something happened. We became something else. We got translated to the right hand of God. 
Remember, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ Jesus? Stephen just told us. He's at, the Son of Man is at the right hand of God. I see him there. So if you're seated with him, that's where you are. Isn't that a good place to be? Amen? That's a good place to be. So that's, what, that's where you are now. You are no longer, you are physically here, but spiritually you're somewhere else now. You're with me. And that's the reason why when you die physically, you go where you are. See, I've said this, and a lot of people say this, that you know, when you die, you go to heaven. No, you're already in heaven. You better already be there. Because <laughs> if you're not already there, you're not going. Are you all here? That's the reason why Satan can't take you anywhere else. Satan can only take those that aren't already there. Do you want a revelation? Okay. He can't take anybody that's already there. He can only take those people that are still here. People that are religious that are not born again, he can take. But people who have given their life to God and are now seated in heavenly places, he can't touch them. Because they're not here to touch. Are you all with me? Amen. All he can do is harass you. Okay? Make life difficult for you. But you can do the same thing to him. Amen. Amen. All right. So let me continue here. John 17, I read verse 16 again, which Jesus said, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Boy, we can preach on that, but we won't. Verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So notice that you are in the world, but you're not of the world. That's where it comes from, by the way. Okay? Jesus sends you into the world, but you are not of this world. That means that your supply comes from somewhere else. Amen. Something, again, that the world can't understand. Therefore, our way of thinking is often foreign to the world's way of thinking. And our reason for doing things are nothing like theirs. Let me give you some examples as we finish. For example, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul says, he says, work with enthusiasm. Boy, it's something that works. Anyway, <laughs> okay? But watch, watch why. <laughs> yeah, but they don't deserve it. No, 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 wait. Listen to the rest of the verse. He says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. There we go. Okay? He's saying, you work as unto the Lord. Why? Verse 8, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. I'm going to stop there. Do you understand that? We do it because God rewards us. That's why we do it as unto him. Because people, can I say this? Yes, people will take advantage of you. Is that a new revelation for you? I hope not. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, they won't pay you as much as you're worth. I'm just giving you some facts here. They'll find every way to get more work out of you and pay you less. All that stuff. Okay, I'm just trying to get rid of all the things that are getting in the way of this, okay? But that's only if you work for them. If you work for the Lord, he'll make sure that money comes. You'll be paid for what you do and more. The job may pay you some of it, but you kind of be, money will come from other places. Can I just say that? Okay, you'll find that things are happening, that you have a bit of, maybe you guys need to keep a little bit of track of things. You know, you buy things on sale. 
Every time you go to, to buy something, it's half price. Do you know what that tells you? Your pages went up. Are you, are you with me? Okay, moving on, because I don't have a lot of time. Even our attitude towards suffering for what we believe is absolutely foreign to the world. With the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 8, 18, he says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He says, boy, I know what my end is. It's a glorious end. Whatever I'm going through right now, it can't even compare to what I'm going to receive as a result of it. So, you know, if you guys are, uh, you know, in some difficult times and, and because you're doing work for the Lord. Have you noticed that the enemy attacks when you do the work for the Lord? Here's a verse for you. It won't even compare to the glory that's going to be waiting for you at the other side for what you did. Amen? Amen. Okay. While we're in Romans, Romans chapter 12, very quickly. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Here's another foreign way of thinking. He says, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Uh, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? He says, give way to wrath. Allow God to do what he needs to do. Give way to it. Don't you go seek it out. Are you all with me? He says, you let go of it and give way for God to go do whatever is needed. Understand, if people take advantage of you, they will pay. Whatever you sow, you reap. Do you remember that? Okay? So understand that there is a justice system that is working. Okay? And if people do the wrong thing by you, they will pay. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Who does that? We want to beat him as hard as we can. While he's down. <laughs> okay, all right? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, or in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. See, he's saying there's, some, there's another way to get to people. Not physically, but in their heart. When they realize they've done the wrong thing. Amen? He says, and that's the part that you really want. Verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love never fails. Amen? And if that's not far enough, 1 Corinthians 2.15, he says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is, right, is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, I love this verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. These are all things that make us foreign. How do we get to this place? Romans 12, 2 tells us. Remember that he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your transformation comes as you renew your mind. As you renew your mind, then your heart receives the word, and once your heart receives the word, that's when mountains begin to move. And you become totally foreign to people around you. And then, you come to the place, as we conclude, where the Apostle John says, therefore, the world does not know you. I'm changing this a little bit. Because it doesn't know him. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And Father, we thank you for all this wisdom inside the revelation that we have received.